When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On today's episode of the Bolts broadcast, a season in review and what to expect on Thursday's NHL draft. Be tuned. Season 3, Episode 76 of the Bolts Broadcast. Mike Mitchelson and Chase Croshaw with you today. Chase, how you feeling on this Wednesday afternoon? Feeling a little sneezy, you know. Just and just sneeze right now on the show. Ah, chew. It's um, you know, it, it's it's. I don't want to sneeze over this microphone. That'd be oh, an issue. But gotcha. it, it's it's allergy season, as a lot of people know. Um, Hasn't it been allergy season for like seventy years now? I, I for me, I, I'm always. It's always allergy season. Yeah. But there's a couple, you know, June and July, I tend to struggle really bad. And then January and February, I also struggle really bad. Um, I, so I, I just, I don't have seasonal allergies. I'm just allergic to living. Mm. Um, it's not fun. I'm just, I'm feeling like I'm holding in a sneeze the whole time that we're talking. So if I let up a, a big one and we kind of kind of get snot everywhere, I, I apologize ahead of time. You just stare at your phone when you're doing it. Your phone on your charging stand. I mean, this, this soundboard right here looks like a really nice opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I get one of those uh, glass protection screens that, like, all cashiers put up when COVID started. I just Ooh, get yes. one of those. I like that. Well, how are Lock you? you off. How, how are you doing, Michael? I, I didn't get a chance. To uh, I'm doing you. great. Work was awesome today. First day back in four days. Had obviously the fourth off, and then yeah. had the fifth off as well. Uh, happy fourth, by the way. Was the place to closed on the fourth? All those listening. Uh, no. Ah, sucks for them. Yeah, and a lot of people were complaining. That they didn't get the fourth off because they tried to request it off a week before. Yeah, it's well, like, how about you not be an idiot? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe give a little more, a little more heads up. Yeah, I, I requested it off uh, a month in advance and got it perfectly fine. So nice. It was good. July fourth yeah. was uh, a little bit more quiet on my end. I know yours was a little bit more wild, but mm-hmm. uh, whether it was wild or quiet, we know one thing for sure: the fireworks scared the absolute shit out of both of our dogs. Oh yeah. I, which actually, I should I should take that back. There's only one that really scared Cooper this year because he, he's a bit older, so I, I don't know if he like doesn't sense them the same or if he doesn't care anymore. But he just kind of laid it through a lot of them. But then there was one really loud one because like our neighbors um up by our cabin, like two houses down, they were doing a big old fireworks show, like a good hour long show. There was one that literally like I felt the whole ground like vibrate. It's like, mm. wow, that's huge. And sure enough, Cooper just stood right up and went right inside. It's like, yeah, we're not doing that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, he's definitely he's gotten better over the years. I'm, I'm sure Tucker was just loving it though. I feel like Tucker's gotten worse over the years really? because I didn't think he was really that afraid of fireworks. And then this year they were popping off and he was shaking, like sitting under my mom's lap and everything. Like it was just, God. he was having a nightmare. So tough. yeah. But anyways, on today's episode of the Bulls broadcast, looking back on the Bolts season, going to be talking about their next season as the 22, 23 schedule is now out. And then after the commercial break, going to be talking about some draft news, some Russian player news, and all of that. So it's going to be a lot of fun this episode. Strap in, get ready to go because we got a good one for you. Let's start with team news surrounding the Tampa Bay Lightning. First up, Tracy talked about it on the last episode that Ryan McDonough, there's no way he finishes out his contract here in Tampa. I don't think you expected it to happen this quickly because McDonough is now in Nashville. Hey, you know you know the, the football YouTuber KTO? Yeah. So I think it's I think I'm pretty sure the case is for Kevin. It's Kevin the Oracle. So you know, like mm. future. It's I should make a account called CTO because like I'm just tell, telling the future here. Maybe I'm, uh, who's Kevin and SpongeBob? Kevin is the like <laughs> is the freaking um, jellyfish, the jellyfish like guy. Yeah, why did I think Kevin the Oracle was referring to him and not a football? No, YouTuber? no. No, but okay. Anyway, yeah, Hi, Kevin. Yeah, I, 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 I can tell the future. I can predict what's going to happen. Um, Tampa is weird. Gonna, you said Tampa was going to win the cup this year. Yeah, I, they're, oh, is that a low blow? They're going to win the cup this upcoming season. Twenty three, oh. the twenty two, twenty three season is what I said. And then they're also going to have a trade where they worked out and end up getting the first overall pick and get Connor Bedard too. Oh, so it's all going to happen. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, so it. We do see Ryan McDonough get moved, uh, Philippe Myers and Grant Mismash. Um, um, I, I, I think I can't remember the guy's name. It's like Ken Johnson. Or something. I don't know. He he works with the hockey writers. He he tweeted out something about it and saying um, they got a, a mismatch of like of things in return, and people were like, "Why don't you use use the pun pun with mismatch?" And he said something like, "I wasn't trying to make a pun. I, I think it's just stupid. Just something really dumb, and it made me really angry to read." Mm. If you got a good chance to use a pun, you use the pun. So when Tampa got a mismatch of of assets in return, you, you got to work with that. But really, at the end of the day, what this came down to was just a number crunch thing. A salary cap move, um, you know, clearing over $4 million cap space. An interesting thing about uh, Philippe Meyer's contract, if he were to be bought out, Tampa would get a cap credit this year instead of getting a cap pit. So this contract would be gone this year, plus they get an extra like six hundred fifty grand to spend. And... That's tempting, but it sounds like Breezeball is going to keep Philippe Myers, try to mm-hmm. try to develop him, use him into a you know, nice serviceable, serviceable defenseman. Maybe that means Yan Ruta's out the door. I don't know. Because um, it's just a right shot D-man that they plan, sounds like they plan on keeping in the NHL. But it's really not that surprising. I figured he was going to be moved at some point. Um, the, if I, I don't know if – I know I sent it to you. I don't know if anybody listening saw it or not, but – if he wasn't going to be traded in this trade, though, uh, apparently Tampa and Columbus had a deal worked out together where Columbus was going to claim McDonough on waivers um, if there wasn't a trade to be done. So Tampa was going to waive him. Columbus was going to put the claim in. He was going to go there essentially for future considerations. And the reason it had to go that way is because McDonough has a no-trade clause and not a no-move clause. So with a no-move clause, you're, you're planted unless you choose to waive it. You're not getting traded. You're not getting sent down. You're, you're just there. With a no-trade clause, you can get sent down. And 
if they would have tried to send him to Columbus, he would have been like, why the hell would I choose to go to Columbus? Mm-hmm. So if they would have put him on waivers and he got claimed, he would have had no choice. But now he hears that, so he gets to choose his destination sort of somewhat. So it's between Columbus or Nashville. He's going to choose Nashville. Better team, better city to live in. So that's how this all worked out. Uh, would anyone choose Columbus over Nashville at this point? I I, I, I personally would not. I mean, no. you look at two teams that are in different spots. You got a team that's... You know, a little more competitive. At least you get to play with a great defenseman like, like Roman Yossi. Um, and you're living in a cool city where Columbus, there's just there's not much going on. The team is kind of, you know, in that awkward spot they seem to have been in for the last few years. So it, it seemed like a no-brainer for them. Yeah, and when this trade happened, it seemed like everyone was on the bandwagon that Philippe Myers would be getting bought out because, let's be honest, up to this point in his career, he's been a depth defenseman at best. Yeah, I mean, he started as, as an as a UDFA. Like he he was an un, undrafted signing free agent, and not much was expected. Someone that you know maybe they had a chance to he had a chance to you know crack the NHL lineup one day, and he's kind of exceeded expectations because he's played some NHL games, but it, he's far from some big asset. He's just a guy who's kind of hovered back and forth, finished the year in the American League, so it, it's far from a lock that he's going to be an NHL guy for Tampa. But it seems like they believe in the talent, so. If, you know, if that staff leaves in the talent, who am I to who am I to say no? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I know that Ryan McDonough, he's been regressing over the past year or two. Still isn't that same defenseman that we've seen uh, when he first came over to Tampa or was w- when he was with New York. But he's still a very serviceable top four defenseman. I am. I, I get the contract situation, but I'm honestly surprised that it came down to getting scraps. Or being waived. I thought there would at least be a little bit of a market for McDonough. After this, we see there obviously was not. Well, teams recognize that Tampa's in the position they are where they're going to be losing multiple players. They're going to be over the cap next year, even with how things stood. So teams kind of have that leverage there. And they also understand that McDonough is regressing. He is on a long-term contract, and it, it could work out poorly for them. So teams aren't really willing to give up, you know, reliable, trustworthy assets for that. Um it, it's just really not in the best interest of teams. You know, I, I would throw like a fourth round picker later at him, but like a, a third mm-hmm. or a second or a first, if I were a team, I, I probably wouldn't right now unless I was truly in that has to win now mode. We have the cap space to make it work and maybe I can throw a third to sweeten it up. But anyway, this, this type of deal, it, it makes sense for all the parties involved. Kind of what you got to do. Tampa didn't really have much of a choice because teams did know the position they were in. Yeah, and this McDonough trade, part of the reason we do it, like you said, clear up cap space because we had three players we really wanted to retain this offseason. One of them, successfully so, and Nick Paul, he gets a new contract, seven years, just over $3 million, total of $22 million over those seven years. Yeah, I can't hate on it. I don't necessarily know how to feel about it, though, because as of right now, Nick Paul is someone who has – Really been nothing more than a fourth liner prior to going to the World Championships and looking good for Team Canada, then getting a bigger kind of role with Ed, with um, Ottawa, excuse me, and then eventually getting traded to Tampa and being so big in the playoff run. So maybe he's someone who is, you know, I, I think he can be a very trustworthy, you know, third line setter, can play some penalty kill, bring a little bit of offense when needed, but it's not a guarantee by any means. So hopefully it works out. Um, I'm not super worried about it. You know, there is some cause for concern because it could flop, you know, Signing these like depth guys to long term deals usually doesn't work out very well in the long run. Um, most teams end up kind of looking back on it and regretting it. So 
hopefully it's not the case here. Yeah, I didn't necessarily mind the term by itself or the price by itself, but when it's together, it's a little yeah. bit iffy. You know, being over $3 million for seven years is uh, something that definitely could go in the wrong direction. So hopefully not. Hopefully we see the same Nick Paul that we've seen with this Tampa Bay team. Uh, right now, still waiting on Andre Palat and Yan Ruda. Uh, if we can get them signed, that'd be great. I know you mentioned briefly with Myers coming in, maybe Ruda's a guy going out the door, but I surely hope not. I hope we can retain both of these guys. Yeah, absolutely would be nice, but it, it, it's you know it's really a, a to-be-seen kind of thing here because as of right now, um, you've got Eric Chernock, we got Cal Flutt, now we got Philippe Myers, so... Where do things stand with Yen Ruda? Where do things stand with a possible upcoming um, free agent? Where do things stand with guys in Syracuse? Maybe someone surprises. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? You know, we're going to find out more in the next couple of days. But I would imagine they're going to at least try to make an effort to see if they can work him out for a more team-friendlier deal. But if he ends up wanting a little more, he's probably the door. Right. All right, we see Derek Lalonde head out the building, uh, former assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning, now moving over to Detroit as a head coach. How is this going to affect our Tampa Bay Lightning? Yeah, so good, good for Lalonde. He um, goes over and gets a good opportunity after a lot of years coaching a bunch of different levels. So, you know, heads off to him. He deserves all the credit. Um, you know, he, he talks about wanting to be a defensive team in Detroit, and that's what is going to have to be uh, replaced on the staff here in in Tampa. You know, there's a chance even um, Halpern can go somewhere else and get an opportunity, whether to be an associate coach, for example, or, or whatever the hell it m- might happen. So um, it, it, we really c- could be seeing an opportunity where John Cooper's looking to fill two assistant spots, but if not, he's looking to fill just one. It'll be someone that, you know, it, it's, it's someone probably more trustworthy, maybe someone that's got some minor league head coaching experience, kind of like Lalonde did when he took that job. Um, so it's kind of a wait-and-see approach. I don't imagine they're going to rush into it. I assume that they're going to want to try to find the best candidate possible, but it should be someone that's pretty similar-minded to Lalon. Yeah, absolutely. 2022-2023 schedule is now out uh, pretty quick. I didn't really expect yeah. it to be, bam, there already. Yeah. Uh, but it is the two big dates to keep an eye on, our season opener on October 11th and then our home opener October 18th. Yep, October 11th in New York playing the Rangers. October 18th, of course, at home against the Philadelphia Flyers. And, yeah, it, it did kind of come – it came out of nowhere, seeing that the schedule came out today. But at the same time, as I sat and thought about it after I realized, it's like, oh, I think Batman did say something about it coming out this week. So, like, mm. should have had more – should have been more prepared for it. But then it dropped like, oh, oh, wow, okay, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, also, my holiday kind of started Friday night after I got off work. So, for, like, a good Friday night, to Tuesday night, just completely unaware of really anything that was happening. That's fair. So, once the holiday starts, hey, like, come on. Did you see? Um, no, I was unaware of those five days. I but see. you had to have seen the the greatest, um, you know, sports oh, triumph in, in history. Well, of course, uh, you, you, the fifteen time. Yeah, the fifth, <laughs> the fifteen time champion. Um, you know, I, I, we we, we got to bring this up because Joey Chestnut is the goat. You know, everyone talks about the Jordan flu game. Sorry, what is he? The goat. <laughs> so everyone talks about the Jordan flu game where he was sick and just went and dominated. But I mean, the Joey Chestnut crutches contest, crutches and stranglehold on a protester. Yeah. No, 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 not stranglehold. A neck snap, like like that. That person got mauled by Joey Chestnut. Also, at first, I was like, "Hell yeah, Joey Chestnut!" And then I realized I took a closer look. It was like a Star Wars fan, and he was protesting like. 
new Star Wars movies. So, and I'm like, it, it, it's so it's it's not that. Oh, it's, it's not. No, I I had to look into it because I was I thought it was that too. I'm like, how the hell does this make any sense? Yeah, and why is there a Star Wars fan? On so it's something about um that the company that that I think that owns Nathan's because it's a Nathan's hot dog contest. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like plants have been known like they, like they, apparently there's reports that they like don't treat animals great that they don't keep up sanitary things so people were like investigate it. That's what that was for. So I don't yeah. know. Um, that, that's just that's what I, that's what I gathered. And from then Joey Chestnut put on the WWE SmackDown on him. Yeah, that 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 poor dude, lady, whoever it was. Um, they they got they got mauled. Mm-hmm. It, hey, it, it it was a it was a great triumph, but I also don't know um, what was more impressive: him, you know, having a Jordan flu game and coming in on crutches, just choking out somebody, and then demolishing the next person by twenty hot dogs, mm-hmm. or watching Badlands Chugs for the second annual chugging competition, mm-hmm. chug that gallon of pink lemonade. By the time he was done, no one else was even halfway done. It was only I think it only took him like thirty seconds. It, I think it was less than that. So I know it was more than twenty. I yeah, thought it was, it, was, it was right in between there. Yeah, but but when they showed like an, like it like zoomed out, you see everyone else. No one was halfway done. Badlands is just the man. Badlands so just is the man. two two absolutely athletic feats. Um, something likes we that you know you, you don't you don't get to see in sports very often nowadays. No. Just just two peak humans. Um, just absolute specimens living life, showing what true athleticism is. Absolutely. Well, let's close out <laughs> the first half of the Bolts broadcast with our season in review. Going to be talking about. Our expectations at the start of the season versus results. Obviously, our expectations were very high. I think through the regular season, it's fair to say that we were disappointed a little bit. Thought they could perform a lot better. But then we start going on that little bit of a a playoff run, winning game six and game seven in Toronto, going and sweeping the Florida Panthers. That really got me excited. I'm thinking, wow, this is a, a... just terrific performing playoff team um, play, you know, decently well in uh, the third series against the Rangers. They give us a little bit of trouble. And then obviously we know what happened in Colorado, but overall chase, what would you say? Were your expectations met? Were you underwhelmed? What are you thinking? So it's a tough line to walk, right? Cause it is. I think the expectation after winning two Stanley cups and having a lot of, you know, a lot of the main pieces in, in place and then getting the replacement players that you did for that third line. I was like, okay, another cup. And they were damn close, made it made it to the last dance, but um, just ended up not going their way, of course. So it, it's a tough line to walk. I was, you know, a little, a little un- underwhelmed by not getting the cup, but at the same time to get to the cup finals after having some shines in the regular season that, you know, the team wasn't always showing off the best. Um, it, you got to call it a successful season. Like you you mm-hmm. have to to make the Stanley Cup Finals, regardless of what the expectations might have been with like in, internally. Even if you expect to win, it's still something only two teams get to do every year. Something that's very difficult. Um, you know, making it six times in the last eight years of the Eastern Conference Finals, being in four different Stanley Cup Finals, it, it's all very, very impressive, and it, it's something that's definitely worth noting. So you just you can't really go out there and proclaim what an under what a just disappointing season like what what a train wreck and you can't also say, man what a fantastic season but like I would say that you know the expectations were probably about Matt. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair to say. Um, I I think like we mentioned regular season a little bit of a a bummer. Yeah. When it comes to expectations, but 
then going into playoffs, I would say my expectations were lower than exactly what turned out to yeah. be because uh, Chase, you and I didn't really want to spoil it. Didn't want the people to know, but we didn't have Tampa in the Stanley Cup Finals on our own personal brackets. No, I was I was trying to be right, not play bias, and I just felt like Florida was going to squeak that one out, and well, couldn't have been any more yeah, wrong. Molly whopped. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also had Tampa dropping in the second round. Uh, now, this was, of course, made right after the regular season finished. We didn't mm-hmm. see any of the first-round games or anything. I think if we were able to do it after the first round, that wouldn't be the case because oh, I mean, we were extremely yeah. underwhelmed by Florida, and then obviously a very hard-fought series against Toronto makes us yeah. you know, turn that decision around completely. But after the regular season, expectations were a bit low coming into the playoffs. Yeah, like we even said on the show, after you know going into playoffs, Toronto was going to be a tough matchup, but we, we felt okay. And then going into round two, we saw what we did against Toronto. We saw what Florida did against Washington. Like, okay, there's we're, we're not concerned here anymore. Like, right. like it's it changed. It's just it, they, they really did not look that impressive, and then they got worked. And you know, if I could take it all back, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have chosen Tampa, right? Um, and not gotten the egg in my face. And at that point, I would have had Tampa in, in the finals. Yeah, I mean, that goes to show what I was trying to say there. Underwhelming in the regular season. But they overachieved in the playoffs from what we expected after the regular season. So overall, I think it is fair to say that expectations were met. You should be proud of the season that this Tampa Bay Lightning team has had. We're now going to go over four individual. Hold on. There's a bug crawling on your wall. (laughs) Oh, it just flew flew away. It just looks like a gnat. Oh, well. It's on the light now. That was not very nice of it. I agree. Uh, four individual, what do we want to call it? Awards or, I mean, accolades. Okay, that's fine. Let's start with Team MVP. Chase, who are you going with this? So, where do you want me to go first? You, you go first. Go ahead. Okay. So I think there's a lot of people, or you know, there's a couple of guys that you could put for this mm-hmm. uh, award. I looked at it as someone that was available to us. A lot, which crosses off one name. Uh, a guy that had his best season of his career in both uh, the regular season and the postseason when you're looking at strictly points. I'm going to go with our captain, Steven Stamkos. 106 points in the regular season. His best season of his career. And then 19 points in 23 playoff games. Uh, Points-wise, that is his best point per game. Not his best, but overall, I think Steven Stamkos incredibly reliable really shocked me because coming into the season or after last season we were talking Stamkos is a guy that we need to keep an eye on kind of like how you said about McDonough you know you're not sure if he's going to be able to finish the contract uh what you said about McDonough we were kind of feeling where is Stamkos going to line up because if we need to continue to sign the guys like Brain Point and Sergachev and that if Stamkos continues to underwhelm he might be someone we're looking to move on from. He comes out, he shuts us up very quickly. God. A tremendous season by the captain. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I had two guys in mind, so for, for the sake of being different, I'll go with my other guy because Sam Coast was one of the guys in mind. Um, it just, he, he, he looked like, like like a whole new person. He looked like himself coming out of Sarnia. You know, when he was coming to the NHL, it was known, known that he had to strengthen up, but once he got that strength, he was going to be, just an absolute dominant force. He's been a very good NHL player, don't get me wrong. But 
Um, it's you know it's hard living with expectations of the first overall pick, and you know I think he's done a, a good job. But this season was, you know, something that was that was really been expected of him to kind of do every single year in his career. And hats off to the captain; he played great. He's he's earned, earned you know re- really earned his money this year. Really, really earned his stay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm very happy to call him the captain of this team. But you know, with that in mind, um, the the other guy really here, it's got to be Vasilevsky. I mean. It's just a different hockey game when that guy's in that. It's mm-hmm. it's it's just sure. Brian Elliott numbers were at the end of the day pretty solid. He had a nine twelve save percentage to two forty three goals against. But how many times was he playing? You know those those higher end teams. It, it wasn't very often. He was playing a lot more of the ones where it's like okay, Tam should have this one anyway. So let's give it to our backup. Let's get Vasilevsky some rest. And if you know, say say Vasilevsky were to just be taken off the roster and Brian Elliott were the guy to start 60 games, I mean, this is just a completely different hockey team. It absolutely is. Um, I think the other two guys that I was talking about, Victor Hedman, Nikita Kucherov, obvious answers there. Victor Hedman, one of the best defensemen in the world, um, was one of the final nominees um, for the James Norris for a reason. And then Nikita Kucherov, I think if he just was able to play a little bit more, then he would definitely be in the conversation because – the way he impacts the game when he's actually on the ice. Absolutely phenomenal. Let's not talk about underwhelming performer, a guy we had a little bit more expectations for. Who do you got? So I'm going to go with, it wasn't a season-long guy. Um, so oh. so it, I wanted to try to go with a season-long guy, but it's hard to ignore what Brandon Hagel was brought in to do yeah. and what he ended up doing. Um Finishes, you know, the regular season with Tampa, 22 games, 7 points, minus 4. Um, then in the playoffs, he goes and gets up, gets 6 points for 23 games, finishes even. Just just terribly underwhelming for a guy who, you know, a good amount of assets were given up in, in, in the trade. Um, you know, we, we don't we don't have future first-round picks because of it. And he just really underwhelmed. But he's got some more term on his contract, still cheap. I was playing good in Chicago. There's still some, you know, hope, hope for op- some hope for optimism. Um, I guess I don't know how else to phrase it, but we're we're really hoping for better things for Brandon Hagel this upcoming season. Because if it doesn't happen, then this trade could end up looking like a huge flop. Yeah, uh, this one was an easy slam dunk, Brandon Hagel, for me as well. Um, you mentioned the points; it wasn't really getting it done there. Now, Brandon Hagel wasn't a guy we were bringing over to be a first line, you know, score. He wasn't going to be your your top-tier scoring type of guy. But even the play we saw from him in the playoffs was underwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that's super unfortunate when you look at having to give up Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, a first-round pick in 2023, a first-round pick in 2024. Those are top-10 protected, of course, but what are the odds that Tampa's going to have a top-10 pick in those years? I mean, we'll talk about those odds when mm-hmm. we get to a certain news segment. Well, yeah, but not but, very but, re- but realistically, yeah. Um. So, and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I seem to be more critical on trade deadline trades than Chase does. And it goes back to the Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau trades. Uh, I was very vocal that I'm not sure if first-round picks are worth these guys. And I talked about it. Hey, if we win the Stanley Cup, then obviously it works out great for us. But if not, I'm not really sure these guys were worth that. Obviously, looking back now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Kind of worked out. Worked very well. Yeah, yeah, kind of worked out. Brandon Hagel trade, another one of those where I was like, it seems like a lot. 
And this one I was a little bit more positive on just because of hindsight with Barkley Gaudreau and Blake Coleman, hoping Hagel could fill that role. He absolutely did not fill that role in this year's playoffs. So uh, easy slam dunk, most underwhelming performer. You know, if, if he was a pending free agent like an RFA and he had to be resigned, it would make this a lot worse. But knowing that he's on a cheaper deal still and has another year, can help out with that cap hit, um, that yeah. help, it helps soften the blow where if he performs well, then it'll all be fine. And there's still a chance to repeat and um, – or not really repeat, but go back and go get that third cup in four years. The, yeah. that, that, that chance still exists. So he's going to have to be a pretty big part of that. I got to imagine he's going to be playing pretty regularly in the top nine, um, probably season top six minutes even, and, and really be used next year. Um, so he, he better kind of you know focus on himself, get things figured out, and be ready to go. All right, underrated season. You want it? Should I go? If you want, you can go. Okay, but I, I've got my my I've got my only one guy I want to talk about for this. Uh, so I think a very underrated season comes from the former. Montreal Canadian Corey Perry. Uh, I was very impressed with Corey Perry. Didn't expect much. Why'd you choose Montreal of all teams? Because he played for Montreal last year. But then he also played for Dallas the year before, and then for yes. Anaheim for like 15 years. Yeah, but he played for Montreal <laughs> okay. last year. That's why I chose it. Okay. Uh, Corey Perry really impressed me, putting up uh, nearly half a point per game in the regular season. Playoffs put up 11 points through 23 games. A lot of the goals that he scored were very crucial for our playoff run. Uh, just think Corey Perry's run here in Tampa deserves a little bit more credit and excited what he can do for us next year as well. Yeah, it's not even a bait. It's, it's Corey Perry. I, the, the guy was oh, you did that too? Yeah. Oh, look at us. Yeah. Uh, but it, it really is not a debate. The guy was brought in on a cheap deal, and if you're scoring 40 points and you're making about a million bucks, <laughs> there's <laughs> like, how do you not? Like, like it's, it's overperforming, and... um. Going to be underappreciated because he was, you know, seeing time lower in the lineup. He, sure, he saw some minutes with Stamkos. Sure, he saw some, you know, you know, top six type minutes. But a lot of times he was playing lower in the lineup, um, doing the, doing the dirty things. But he did a great job being Corey Perry. He's a little bit of a pass, but he's got some offense to him, scoring 19 goals, uh, adding 11 points in the playoffs as well. He did everything that Tampa needed, and it was it was really clutch in some moments too. So it, it's got to be a slam, not Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. All right, last one, biggest surprise. Go ahead, take it away. So, honestly, it, it's it's tough because I I kind of wanna I kind of wanna like repeat that that kind of option taking it. It's Corey Perry, but this is gonna be a little different. My my biggest surprise was Alex Kalorn by how different his regular season and postseason were. Yeah, I think that's fair. So you know, I wanted to score Perry because I didn't expect him to score forty points, but. I didn't expect Alex Kaloran to go goalless and only had four assists in the playoffs either. Uh, he Especially after a nearly 60-point season. Yeah, 25 goals, 59 points. Uh, was very productive. You know, I've been critical on Kaloran in the past, and I st- I'm still critical on him. I-, I view him lower than a lot of Tampa fans, a lot of hockey fans do personally. And the way he performed in the playoffs, it just, it just wasn't going right. Sure, he was, you know, he wasn't, like, not working. He was, he was working hard. He was trying to do the right things, but and things just weren't going well for him. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't bringing offense. Things weren't just really going his way. And it was just crazy how night and day it was in, in the playoffs. Because if if he scores even six more points in the playoffs, like, that that could, that could be a point in six different games that, that you win, and all of a sudden you're, you're Stanley Cup winners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not blaming this on him by any means. It's, it's a team game at the end of the day, but – it was definitely 
disappointing to, you know, just like a bit of surprise, like the change. Absolutely. Uh, my most surprising player is going to be a player that we've already talked about. The guy with the new contract, Nick Paul, uh, comes over and trade. And in the episode in which we announced the Nick Paul trade, uh, I said it's not going to be much, nothing but a depth addition with, you know, it being a Matthew Joseph and a fourth going to Ottawa, us getting Nick Paul in return. Very wrong about that. Nick Paul was way more than a depth player for us. Had 14 points through 21 games in the regular season. And then in playoffs, nine points through 23 games. Was a lot better than I expected. And we talked about that on our last episode, how this is a guy who shocked us. We want him to get that extension. He does. Very happy. Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for the first half of the show. Other half, we're going to be talking about the NHL draft. And if you are listening on release, the NFL or the NHL draft, excuse me, is on tonight. So Chase and I are absolutely pumped. We'll get you ready for that in just a second here. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, the DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Shout out to our friends over at DraftKings. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show. If you have any sports betting needs, make sure to head over to the DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, Chase. All right, Mike. Let's just jump right into it. We've got some some talking to do about Russian hockey players. Dude, this is just a mess. What a nightmare. Yeah. What an absolute nightmare. So... I don't know if anyone listening has been been following along with the Ivan Fedotov story, but Fedotov is a Flyers prospect. Signed the financial contract with with Philly. Was trying to get over to the to the U.S. Was you know leaving training facility, going to get to the airport and head over here. All of a sudden, he was detained by Russian officials. Um, was accused of evading military service and illegally terminating his contract with his KHL club. And from there, he was imprisoned, brought to a hospital. Apparently, his lawyer came out and said he was injected with something and was starting to get sick from the injections. And then now he's being sent to, um, it's, there, there's a, I don't know the name of, of the um, place off the top of my head, but, but there is some sort of military um, base in Siberia where they send all of their people that they're mad at to do the military service. So it sounds like Fedotov is going to be forced to go up there. Um, and it's just, it's just an absolute mess. Um, we all know what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. We see, you know, there's questions, concerns on what was going to be going on with Russians in the off season. If, you know, just especially with the travel bans, you know, from the U S Canada going over there, R- Russia did the same thing, you know, travel ban to come back. Um, 
it's just an absolute mess, really. And it's 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 scary stuff because now we you know we don't really know what's going to be going on going forward. You know, we're going to be talking about a few more Russian guys, few few Russian news things as well. But it really all started with this uh, Fedotov thing. This was the kind of the first really brick to fall in this whole scale of things. Yeah. Um. Another player to talk about here in a second, a big name for uh, players in the NHL. But I'd have to guess that the likes of Ovechkin, Evgeny Malkin, they're probably safe. I mean, they're in the corner of, uh, you know, they're one of Vladimir Putin's, you know, love childs. He he loves to support those two. So, yes, uh, I would guess that those type of guys that are in the NHL right now, probably safe. But one name that there's some questions about, Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, so apparently he's being accused of buying like a fake like military ID thing where um said he did his service back in 2017 and um with that if that's the case and he's in Russia he can be arrested for that and then of, of course um tr- like tried for that but it sounds like if he were to have to do his military service he'd be um forced to be joining the um Russian like air force and it'd be like doing it like like now um, you know, there was a reprieve from June 30th. I, I don't read Russian, so I couldn't read the document, but, um, there was someone that was interpreting it, breaking it down kind of stating these things. And it, it's looking really interesting because now there's conflicting reports on, okay, Kaprizov's here in North America. Oh wait, actually there's no confirmation that he is here in North America. So where is he? No one knows, but if he's over in Russia, there's a chance he, along with some other guys very well could be stuck there. And it's, it's scary stuff. Um, we, we really, you know, I, I agree with you on the whole Ovechkin-Malkin thing. Like, those guys um, that are these big names that are older players, um, I, I think they're going to be allowed to stay over. It's kind of what we saw back in the 80s, 90s, when the USSR finally started letting guys over. They let guys that were in their 30s kind of, you know, turn to their career. They could come over play in the NHL. They got some younger players into into the system, um, into their, like, international hockey um, system for that. And it, it could be the same type of thing where the older guys are allowed to come over here and play still. But younger guys, it's... It's a bit of a concern, um, and Kaprizov is really the biggest young Russian hockey name at the moment, and really however it plays out for him is how it's probably going to play out for a lot of other younger players. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the future of the NHL in regards to Russian players. This is the first time that we are having an NHL draft where there could be legitimate reason in which Russians – Russians start to drop down the board when it comes to getting picked. And it's not for, you know, KHL contract reasons like we've seen in the past couple of years, but rather reasons similar to, you know, Sergei Fedorov and him having to sneak out of the country to go play for the Detroit Red Wings. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a interesting spot. Yeah, so modern-day um, issues with Russians in the NHL is – that there is no international transfer agreement between the KHL and the NHL, where when you look at the Swedish leagues, you look at the German leagues, you look at the Finnish leagues, you look you look at those leagues, there's, um, through the IIHF, there is transfer agreements. So even if someone is signed to a contract in Sweden, they can be signed to an NHL deal. They can be you know brought back over here, loaned over to Sweden if, if they're not ready to play in the NHL, that, that, that type of stuff. Since that doesn't exist in, in, in Russia, um, People are always worried on drafting Russians. You know, the the one thing that the NHL's done to counter act that is when you draft a you draft a player out of Canadian Major Junior, 
Um, if you draft them with junior eligibility left more than one year, then you own the rights for two years. If you draft them going to the last year junior eligibility, then you get the rights for one year. If you draft a U.S. player out of the U.S. system, then it's anywhere from two years up until they graduate from college. Uh, if you're over in Europe, you're looking at four to five years, depending on situations and stuff. So um, all, all those are in place for holding guys' rights just to make sure that talent isn't just being held onto and not given an opportunity. Whereas with the Russians, because there's no transfer agreement, um, you hold, held onto rights forever unless you decided to sign that player, trade that player, renounce the rights, whatever. Um, so it, it helped teams feel a little better about drafting Russian players. You know, maybe you won't get the guy for seven years. Like, it's kind of what we saw with, you know, with Kaprizov. It took him a while to get over. But now with all this stuff and guys not being able to leave, or potentially, I should say, uh, who, who knows? I mean, there's someone that, you know, I'll, I'll be talking about here if you didn't know you're out. He is a very highly rated prospect for me. He very well could fall late first round out of out of the first round completely just because teams aren't willing to spend the draft capital on someone that they might not be able to get to leave the country for four, five, six, seven years. It's it's a little concerning. And you know, something that I found out in this whole process of things too is so this last season, uh in the NHL, I did not know this until um an athletic article about it. European players were allowed to play in the NHL without visas. So to play, um, you know, to, to work out of country, you, you, you need you need a work visa. Um, you know, and here in North America, it'd be, it'd be like an F1 visa. Um, to play and play in the NHL, you need that visa. I believe it's a P1 for the NHL, actually. But uh, so regardless, you, you need you would need that visa so you can legally work here. Well, there was workarounds to get like temporary things and um, and players were allowed to play without it this last season. So the process, if I understand correctly, is different um, from renewing a visa to getting a whole flat out new visa. So some of these guys that there really could be issues, um, especially with, with, with the younger ones, the Russian government could be a lot more um, against letting you go to the U S embassy and maybe, maybe they'll block you off. Maybe they won't grant your, your, your visa. Um, they won't let you leave the country. So it, it's really just an absolute ch- shit storm for lack of a better term uh, for guys that are currently signed the NHL contracts. They might not be able to come over for guys whose rights are currently owned and not signed. They might not be able to come over for guys that are going to be in the draft. If they're not already over, they might not be able to come over. So it, it really, we, we don't know what to expect going forward with, with Russians in the NHL. Um, we're still going to see some. We're absolutely going to see some, you know, like someone like Pavel Minchikov. He's playing in the OHL this year. I have to imagine he's staying over in North America. Um, he's already got that OHL contract, so he'll be able to probably stay in, you know, NHL systems better. But anyone who's currently over in Russia, anyone playing over there, anybody – <clears throat> excuse me, anyone even there just training for the summer, they, they, they could be stuck. So it's kind of a day-by-day approach, really, at the, at the end of the day. But I would have to guess over the next few years, we probably see less Russians than we have in the last, like, 10 years. And that's really tough because yeah. there's a lot of good yes, Russian is. players over there. Um, Matt Vemishkov probably headlining uh, the young yeah. guys coming over. But uh, this is going to be something that we just got to keep up to date with because you and I haven't – really experienced anything like this the last time that this type of stuff was happening was before we were born so uh it's gonna be something we got to take kind of a a slower approach to keep an eye on it keep you guys up to date yes and one more thing i do want to mention um you talked about the sergey vadaroff thing i i meant to bring something i forgot so he wasn't allowed to come over by by the russian government um like he wasn't he was only a 19 like 20 year old kid at the time was absolute superstar um he had to defect from Russia, and that is something that is still technically an option. But when you're defecting from a country, um, you have to try to get asylum within, you know, if it's 
let's say Danilo Yorov gets drafted by Tampa. Um, and you want to come over? That'd, yeah, be, cool. that, that'd be unreal, <laughs> that'd un- be cool. unreal, unreal. Um, if so, if that were to happen, uh, and um, then he'd have to try to get political asylum um, here in the U.S. and would be essentially just a refugee. And it's not a very easy process. Not something that you know teams can very easily get done. You know, when you look, at, if you look, go back on YouTube. I know it's on YouTube. Go watch the Alexander Mogilny, um documentary. It's like a thirty-minute video talking about trying to get Mogilny over here to the NHL. And the Buffalo Sabers, they had their um, owner was friends with President George Bush at the time, so he was able to get him political asylum pretty pretty easy in a quick process. Whereas nowadays, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if if any ownership groups in the NHL have any close relations with the U.S. government or not. So it, it could be a quite you know a lengthy process. It, it's it's really going to be something that's kind of just super unique, something we haven't seen yet. Um, I, I really just I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Going to be interesting to keep an eye on. All right, let's talk about the San Jose Sharks. They named Mike Greer as their new GM. Do you like the move? Yeah, I, I've got no issue with it. It's it makes me feel a lot better too. Um, you know, I, I'm more of someone in in the boat of. I think, you know, guys like me, someone who um, didn't necessarily play the game but understands a lot more business and analytical stuff, um, like they, they should be the people in these roles. But knowing that uh, his brother is the GM of the Miami Dolphins, so that's pretty cool that there's two brothers, GMs, two different sports. Knowing that his family has that kind of background, knowing that their dad was an executive of the Patriots, I trust that Mike Greer has the understanding, has that background, um, and has the chance to succeed. And, you know, to go along with this news, he is the first black general manager in NHL history. So hats off to him. That that's very cool. But I, I really, ha- I really don't have a problem with it be- because of his, you know, family ties and what it sounds like how his family understands really the business of sports. I, I think this could be a great hire for the Sharks. Absolutely, and it's Chris Greer is his brother, yes, right? Chris. Okay, there we go. Look at me knowing my knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what a genius! And I never even like thought to pair that together because. Like having a having a football player and hockey player, you know, like mm-hmm. like like football and hockey usually aren't two sports that line up together in terms of like what you're playing. Whereas you know, like football and baseball does, for example, or hockey and baseball, even because baseball is like a summer sport where football and hockey are lining up with each other. So it's it's weird, to even like I, I would never even think to pair those two together as being brothers until it was like brought up. I feel like we've talked about it a Have while we? ago. Like I don't know, something just. Makes me think we've talked about, if not this exact situation, something different. Um, but it was probably like a year ago. It's been a while. Well, I remember we talked about the story about Tyler Myers and his um, half-brother half or step-brother who was um, an NBA draft picker. That might be like it. That. Yeah. We, I know we talked about that. that. That was a pretty random one, too. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a couple more off-season news pieces, and then we're going to hop into our draft preview, starting off with... Some names to test the free agent market. You got John Klinberg, Nazim Kadri. I know Vincent Trocheck, another one of those guys. Some good names. Yeah, and it's going to be hopefully a good FA class. You know, someone like Johnny Gaudreau is someone that you could throw with other as well too. I don't. I feel like for some reason he's going to resign in Calgary. Also, I was more hesitant to mention, but you know, those three names that that were just mentioned between. Klingberg, Kadri, Trocek, those guys are all pretty much sure to hit. Um, Klingberg is a lock to hit. It sounds like they're just flat out done negotiating in Dallas. So it, it should be a potential to have some fun here this offseason. Um, you know, may, maybe see some roster shifting, see some big contracts. You know, Kadri is going to get paid. 
Uh, you know, I, I'm someone who is a big Valerina Shushkin proponent. Um, mm-hmm. We saw him work his magic against us in the finals. I think if he leaves Colorado, I mean, he he, he should go out and get his money because he, he's worth it. And if he leaves Colorado, he's going to get absolutely paid. So this could be a free agency with a lot of spending um, and seeing, you know, maybe even a few bigger names move more often than we normally do, which would be fun. Absolutely. Let's talk about two younger guys, uh, Rasmus Sandin and... Oh, yes, he pulled Yarby. Yeah, so Sandine sound, kind of sounds like he's going to be an RFA or like be um, like hit the market as an RFA. So he is an RFA. Sounds like he's going to get that that QO and then hit the market because um, what's his nuts? Kyle Dubas was talking about Sandine and saying, hopefully someone like if, if someone's going to offer Sheetham, hopefully they do it early in the process so we can make our decision to move on. Is pretty much what he said. He So he sounds like he doesn't want this to be dragged on. He wants to either figure out a deal or if they get an offer, Accept it, you know, move on. So it sounds like he's a very legitimate candidate to hit the RFA market, and he is a very young, talented defenseman who is worth giving up, you know, compensatory picks for. So I, I would have to imagine that he would be the type of guy to get offer sheeted. Mm hmm. Sounds. And, uh, sorry, uh, uh, I forgot you said pull Yarvey as I well. I did, yeah. You did. You did. Well, pull Yarvey, <laughs> different, different scenario. Um, you know, this guy who's more of, of a trade candidate, for whatever reason, Edmonton's like, you know, this guy. He graded out as one of the better defensive players in the league. You know, a, t- a top 10 guy, if I'm not mistaken. A former fourth overall pick by us. A, a young talent. We don't want him anymore. Let's get rid of him. We, we saw what Valerian Shushin did. He revived his career and has become an absolutely dominant NHL player. We don't even want to take the chance of that happening. We want to move on for what's probably pennies on the dollar. He's going to get moved for cheap because it seems like the NHL doesn't value him very well. It seems, Or at least the Oilers don't. So the team's going to swoop in, get Pugliarvi, and they're going to reap the benefits pretty hard. Ken Holland. Ken Holland. Enough said. Enough said. All right, draft preview. Uh, This draft's going to be a little bit different because there is one extra pick than normal. Well, yeah, I guess guess what was normal last year. For for what, you know, prior to June 30th, um, I guess, or July 1st, whatever you want to call it, you know, there's one extra pick from what was prior to that date. Right. Yes, as um, Philip Johansson did not get signed by the Minnesota Wild. He was a first-round pick, so in the NHL CBA, if you don't sign your first-round pick, um, once you lose the rights, you get a compensatory second-round pick. And it, it's it, it's a weird one. If if you don't if, if the player doesn't sign with you because like they don't want to sign with you, I think you should get the compensatory pick. But if you choose not to sign the player because you made a bad selection, right? Like they did. Like you should, you should probably, you know, just you, to eat it. Yeah, you should probably be, deserve to eat that one. But nonetheless, they get a second round pick. Um, it's one that they probably would have signed if this wasn't the case. But right now, they ve- they value that second round pick more than him, which I do as well. So it, it's fair. In Tampa, they've got seven picks this year, the thirty first overall. And then we got to wait a while. Yeah, we got to wait till a hundred and three in the fourth round. Got a fifth round, two sixth round, and two seventh round picks. Uh, obviously, the big one being number 31. I was watching, or not watching, but looking at ESPN's most recent mock. It was on their ESPN Plus, and falling to 31 was Maros Nachenko. Now, Yurov went at 27, uh, but I'm sure if we can nab a very talented Russian, I would be pretty ecstatic about it because obviously we don't need anyone super bad right now to come play for us right now. But if you can just add best talent overall, and that may be a Russian if there's a big fall, I'm in for it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I do think that 
we're going to see a European draft of this pick. Someone that is going to be awarded the opportunity to spend more time developing uh, because of the right thing that I was talking about earlier. Whether it's a Swede, a Finn, a German, whoever the hell it might be, or it be a Russian. I think it's what we're going to see right now. My draft rankings, they, they will be posted on Twitter. Um, if, if you want to get a pe- good peek at the whole. At Chawdust. At Chawdust. It, is I, it just Chawdust or yeah, Chawdust 46? Just Chawdust. Okay. I, I've got a top 15 and 10 honorable mentions as well. I didn't do a full rankings. Um, I mostly c- covered guys that I think have a chance going on the first round or who I would at least be willing to take a chance in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the 31 spot, Arsene Duda, a defenseman out of um, – out of Russia is who I currently have ranked there. So if, if it were to go, it's not going to, but if it were to go my top 30 players and then uh, Tam ends up with Arden Duda, I'd have no problem with that. He is a kind of, you know, a, a riskier, like like high upside type guy, um, but he's put up some good numbers in, in the MHL, which is the Russian Junior League, um, just a, a true offensive defenseman type guy who can still play some defense as well. Um, so, you know, if, if that happens, then great. If Miroshenko happens, great. If Danilo Yurov's available, uh, Even better case scenario, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Danilo, Yurov, if Shane Wright's there, oh, okay, well, yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. But uh, like, like Yurov, though, you know, he he's someone that looks a lot like Nikita Kudrov did in his draft year. Similar type of production, similar type of league, and it's, you know, not too far off of a skill set either. Just a true dominant offensive player. He's got a lot of strength. Isn't necessarily like a truck you over like hitter type guy, but he is someone who. You know, he competes well. He does well against people that are a lot bigger, stronger than him that, that you would think. Um, so it shows, you know, his battle, his battle, his compete, his strength. So if he were to be available at that spot, then great. But I, I would guess it's going to be European. If it's going to be North American, you know, I, I it would be someone probably from the NCDP or from the, you know, like from the U.S. system. I, I don't really, I just does not feel like it's going to be a junior player to me, like a Canadian junior guy. So I would expect, you know, Maybe if they're going defense, maybe they go with a Seamus Casey, or maybe they go with a Rucker McCordy if he's available up front. Um, you know, if, if those options are there, those are guys that I, you know I'd be pretty happy with as well. At the end of the day, you know, we we don't know what's going on, we don't know what they're thinking, but that's just what it feels like to me. Yeah, and thirty-one obviously going to be the big headliner for this class. However, the one hundred and three, I'm actually very intrigued on to see who we get there. Uh, once we get into the late fifth with our third pick at one hundred and sixty. And thereafter, you can't really guess what's going to happen there. But when you're looking at the 103 overall, that's where you could find maybe a second-round talent dropping because there's a lot of times in the NHL draft where second, third round, we start seeing people start reaching for their guys. Yep. There could be a case where at that 103 pick, there's a very talented player there that we can nab and maybe see him produce in three, four years. That'd be great. I I really hope that does happen. Um, it's far from impossible, that's for sure. It, it, it definitely could happen. Somebody that I really would like Tampa to take a flyer on at some point in the draft, um, I don't know when he's going to go, but Connor McClendon, he was not signed by the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't really know why. Um, do I think he's going to be some sort of world-breaking NHL forward? No, but he is um, a smaller guy, but has been a you know a, a very solid score in the WHL. was a high pick. The talent is very clearly there. You can see that he has a hell of a shot. It just hasn't really translated into the full game that you'd expect it to. So he feels like someone that could just end up becoming a bit of a late bloomer to me. So if Tampa can grab him with one of the later round picks, if he's still available, let him play his last year junior, sign him, let him develop in Syracuse, I think that could be a really nice grab. Absolutely. Well, Chase, you and I are both ecstatic 
for the NHL draft. Hell yeah. Going to be super excited. I'm really excited to see Casper Friendly Ghost go. Yeah. No, <laughs> you, you got bamboozled pretty hard by Jay Fresh. But, which, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's fair. It's fair. But it, it, it was it was pretty funny. But, no, um, I, don't, I don't have Casper the Friendly Ghost in, in my top 20 like, like Jay Fresh did. It's unfortunate. It, it, it might be. But I, I do want to state I am going to tweet out my rankings. But I do have Shane Wright alone in the top tier, as he should be, because he is the best prospect in this draft. And then I have another tier, um, a second tier of players with only two people in it, and Uri Slavkowski is not in that tier of players. So make sure you check it out. You're looking for some... Some hot takes from Chase Cross. It's not hot takes. Everyone else no. is a hot take. Oh, oh I, wait, how does that work? I was, General I, consensus I was, is yeah, hot take, dude. Because because I was I was texting you this over the weekend, and it's something that drives me crazy. I was a huge Yaroslavkovsky supporter coming into the season. Someone I thought would be an awesome grab in like the the ten to fifteen range for a team. Someone who's got some good upside, who you know could go a, a bit a, a be overshadowed. You know, go a bit under the radar, and. Based off of his pro season, that's what he looked like. Nothing more than a middle first rounder. But then he goes to the World Juniors and has a couple games, looks well. Um, then he goes to the Olympics and wins MVP. Then he goes to World Championships and plays great again. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, he should be the number one overall player. He's the next freaking Jesus. Well, at least Montreal fans think that. Yes. And Yurasevkovsky is someone who I have a lot of faith in. I think he's a talented hockey player. I think he's going to be an NHLer. I don't think he even has the highest ceiling in this draft class. I don't think he's the most ready player in this draft class. I don't think he is the safest player in this draft class. So why the hell would you take him first overall if he's neither of those three things? There you go. Chase hates Uri Slavkovsky, has him out of his top 20. And I don't know that. (laughs) It's just so annoying because, like, what? It is annoying. Yes. It's incredibly annoying. I mean, I made the comparison when you were telling me about it over the weekend, and it's like Trey Lance. Like, you with Slavkovsky, me with Trey Lance – both huge fans of the player themselves think they have a lot of talent, think they have a lot of upside. But the hype that they receive from others makes it so bloated that you trying to be more realistic about the person himself makes you seem like a hater. When you're not trying to be that, you just want people to lower their damn expectations a bit. If I if I had these rankings in January, I would have been told it's a hot take. If I would have had these rankings in October, I'd be like, well, who the hell are you talking about? Because I, I do have them ranked at fourth overall in this draft class, and that would have been a, a very hot take literally up until a month and a half ago. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. Check out wanna, my rankings yeah, at Chawdust. If you want to see the full list, make sure to go over to Chawdust. Uh, the at is in the bio of the Bolts broadcast. Yes, sir. So make sure to do that. All right. Going to finish the episode off with a hockey name of the day. Uh, we've got Dovar Tinling. Yes, sir. Dovar Tinling. It reminds me of Dovahkiin from Skyrim. Let's go. I don't know Skyrim, but I'm back into it, baby. I'm back in. All right. Anyway, I figure it's draft season. Might as well go with the draft prospect, right? Hell yeah. So Dovar Tinling was a draft prospect last year as well. He is a 2003 birthday, uh, March 3rd. Five foot eleven, 185 pound forward from Canada, playing um, this year in the USHL. He played. Last year's draft year at the University of Vermont had two points. This year, played 14 games for Vermont as well, only scored a goal. Then made the move to Des Moines in the USHL, 12 goals, 13 assists, 25 points. Probably not really somebody you should have high in your draft list. Um, someone might take a flyer on him, you know, with like a six-round pick type of guy, but he's probably someone who will go undrafted one more time and then I think has a good chance to have a big year next year and end up being like a, a fifth to seventh-round type pick. Yeah, he, he's a good playmaking forward. 
Um, you know, I think he reads the ice relatively well. It just hasn't really translated into him becoming, a, you know, a, a very productive player quite yet. It, it's bound to happen, I think. Maybe not at the NHL level. You know, maybe he can become just a serviceable guy. I th- think is a chance, but I think in terms of a college player, he's going to have a couple years left. I think he's got a chance to become real serviceable. Awesome. Got to keep your eye on for sure. All right, well, that's going to do it with the show. want to thank you so much for coming out and giving it a listen. Make sure to get hyped for the NHL draft because Chase and I absolutely are. Uh, going to be heading over to Chase's tomorrow night. Tyler's buying us dinner, so I can't wait for oh, that. Okay, I'll let him know. <laughs> uh, that's going to do it for the show, though. Thanks so much. Chase, hit him with an outro. As always, thank you for listening. Check us out on Patreon. If you want to follow us on Twitter, at Bulls Broadcast. It's at Bulls Broadcast. You can follow the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter, at HockeyPodNet. That's at HockeyPodNet. While you're at it, go follow WNP on Twitter, WNP Sports Pod. That's WNP Sports Pod. Make sure to go to HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Find all the podcasts in the network right there. Boom. Click the logo. Listen, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Wherever you're listening, you can rate us five stars. Send us your questions, comments, concerns. We really appreciate it. Wherever you do, do not forget to use code T3 and we snap for DraftKings. Thanks so much for stopping by. Talk to you next time. Bam. Bam, baby. Bam. <laughs>